0: I'm Jack, and they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too.
1: What is up, everybody? My name is Caleb McNamara, and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views.
2: I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He
0: couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Kaylin McNamara and Hunter Boss. A great podcast lined up for you today. we had some fantastic fights uh, this past weekend. Uh, Charles Oliveira, wow, amazing. Uh, we'll be going over some of the biggest fights on that card, starting with Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos right now. Um, one of the best fights I've seen all year. Hunter, uh, what did you make of this fight?
2: This fight was insane, you know this, this fight right here was just back and forth brawl action here. Edson Barboza at his finest. Shane Burgos, always a, a pleasure to watch. You know, he always gets into those wars. And sadly, this is two wars. He has come off, uh, come out, you know, uh, on the losing side, which in those type of fights, you hate to see anyone lose, but, you know, all credit to, uh, Edson Barboza. you know, Captain Barboza really went through here. Um, he had some fantastic body shots and he had some fantastic work upstairs. Um, this was going on through the first and second round and kind of something kind of just like flicked in his mind and sh- Shane Burgos's mind where he's like, Oh man, I'm actually hurt here. And he didn't mean to best, you know, he has, he has a warrior spirit, but spirit, but sometimes the uh, the body just quits on you, you know, you know, you have no control over it. And that's kind of what happened to Shane Burgos, you know, so fantastic fight. Um, definitely one of the fights, best fights of the year so far. And I uh, can't wait to see what happens out of both fighters next.
1: Dear mother of God, what a fight this was. And I'm going to I'm going pre-curse my section on this by giving credit to Jack, because two or three months ago when this fight was first announced, Jack said off the bat, this would be a fight of the year contender. And guess what happened? It's a fight of the year contender. Edson Barbosa looks fantastic at 145, man. He looks so good. And massive, massive credit to Shane Burgos too. This is one of those fights that I love And I love it for the reason that it's a fight where neither fighters stock goes down. In fact, they both go up. One of the things I love about mixed martial arts amongst many, many things is that you can lose fantastically and you're almost respected more than if you win terribly because you're willing to take risks and put on a show. And that is Shane Burgos through and through. He came to fight and he put on an incredible effort but Edson Barbosa's kickboxing is from another planet. He is insanely good at implementing his game plan. You know, in the first 60 seconds of that fight, he threw about five or six debilitating leg kicks to Burgos's leg, and you could see the effect was accumulating already. I mean, in any other fight, Burgos was probably displaying the effect of two or three rounds worth of damage in 60 seconds. That's how goddamn good Edson Barbosa is. And realistically, Barbosa set the tempo, and it was only going to go one way from that for me, because when Barbosa gets his foot in the gas and he can dictate the tempo, he very rarely lets off the pedal. So he continued that Vienna form and did it very, very well. Absolutely sensational knockout, you know, incredibly crisply place punch which is a big improvement in barbosa's game in my opinion his boxing defense and his offense has improved in levels and you know hunter briefly covered their shane burgos's suspension in reality um, You know, we were talking about this before we came on. It is an effect in the brain where I believe this because the cerebrospinal fluid of the brain encases the brain against the skull. Sometimes your body does literally just shut off and it, it, it can't process what's just happened to you. So that's all that happened to Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos is as tough as they come. And he was too tough for his own body, really. And, you know, that is no disrespect to the man at all. In fact, it's a tremendous credit. But this was an insane, insane fight and perfectly placed on such a fantastic card.
0: Yeah, I think too tough for his own body is the perfect thing to say right there. I mean, how many people can eat a spinning wheel kick from Edson Barbosa? Numerous overhand rights over and over and over again. Those leg kicks that he was eating, he was planted on every single one of them. I when I was I was watching this fight, and I was saying, ninety percent of the people that would fight Edson Barbosa would be finished with any number of those strikes. So spinning uh, kicks to the body. Um, and, and I was saying 90% would be finished. 90% have been finished when they eat those strikes. they spinning wheel kicks. those spinning kicks to the body. Dan Hooker, uh, the leg kicks, obviously, people have been finished with that. Overhand right. So many people have been finished with that. Um, and, and the fact Shane Burgos not only was eating that, but only slightly being rocked and keep coming forward and, and landing some good shots of his own was insane. It was crazy to watch. I was so happy this fight delivered. Uh, obviously, I, I did say this a little bit ago, um, just because of how I know Shane Burgos' style. I know he will keep going forward, and we all know Edson Barbosa and just who he is and best kicks in MMA, um, in, in my opinion, possibly all time. Um, leg kicks, I would argue, maybe Jose Aldo in his prime. Um, but the, the, I mean, he's he's just insane. He's, he's he's one of the best kickboxers, especially at 145. He just looks so so good. Um, and I'm, and I'm so happy to see it. This is definitely his best performance he's had in a long time, uh, Edson Barbosa. He's finally letting it go. I was watching that. I'm like, this is vintage Edson Barbosa. We haven't seen this in a little bit. He's been he's been reserving it. He's been holding back his cardio. His cardio looked amazing, and he was letting it all go. I said this the last time Edson Barbosa fought. He's been coming off – I mean, obviously, he won the last time. But before that, he was coming off two. Close split decisions. Where arguably, in, in my opinion, he should have won. Right now, he should be on a four fight win streak. But he's been holding back a little bit. He's been reserving um, because he's afraid of that cardio gap uh, gas. But now at one forty five, he's having the right cut. He's looking fantastic, and he's letting it all go. And he looked incredible that is a real contender at 145 um and edson barbosa is going to be there to stay the last thing i kind of wanted to say and q you you mentioned this uh both their stocks will rise off of this including burgos uh in the fight that he said and i hate to continue to bring this up because we talked about it so much but i want to contrast that to ufc 259's opener and tiago santos uh versus alexander rakic um and 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 this fight right here is what an opener should be this is what you want to do. This is why you put those guys on there. I think those fights are very similar in what they were hoping to deliver. One fight did deliver, the other fight did not. Uh, and both of their stocks, Alexander Rakic, I mean, Yuri Prohashka has definitely jumped above him uh, because Yuri Prohashka just put on an unbelievable performance. Even though Rakic has so many names under his belt because he didn't really deliver or do anything. Same thing with Thiago Santos. Both of them are not really going anywhere. As for this, Shane Burgos will not be going down in the rankings. Edson Barbosa will keep going up, uh, and and Burgos will get another amazing fight. Yeah, he's on a two-fight losing streak, but just like Justin Gaethje when he was losing some, you you know this guy has potential to become – very, very, very good. He already is very good. Uh and, and he will continue to deliver fights. Any fight that he's in will be just an all timer. Um and Burgos has solidified his name in that division for someone to look out for and you have to watch his fight. And Edson Barbosa is back and climbing. It was an amazing fight, the perfect way to open the card. And I was just so happy to see it go down like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I mean, Shane Burgos right now is ranked at number nine. And I feel like that's the correct rankings right now. I mean, yeah. He's he's right up there in the top ten. I feel like he shouldn't move down because of that performance. Like like Jack said, and Edson Barboza definitely should be moving up and be facing the the bigger leagues now. You know, I I love these matchups he has for him in the entire featherweight division. I feel like this is definitely his new home, and he's going to be staying here. He's going to make an impact on this division.
1: Yeah. Um... I mean, there's nothing much more to add to what Jack and Hunter have just said. I fully agree with all of it. The, the last point I'll make on Barbosa and the last I'll make on Burgos is this. For Burgos, there's losing and then there's losing. Burgos fits into the first category and that there's no shame in his losing because he's going out and he's putting on fireworks displays of fights and they're very close fights too. So he's going out, he's putting it all on the line and you can't hate somebody for that. In fact, he's losing the best way you can lose in a weird sort of way. So like I said, his stock is only going up beyond under no illusion as for Barbosa, the move to 145 is unbelievably smart in his part. He was always a very good 155er, but he's moving down to a division now where Barbosa has always has always been a fighter that's built for power. You see that in his kicks. You see that in his punches. Cutting 10 pounds means that's 10 pounds less. He's having to carry around the octagon. So he's able to let it go easier. He's able to move better. He's able to defend better without getting tired. And a fight that Jack actually mentioned a minute ago was the Dan Hooker fight. Personally, I still think how Dan Hooker still alive is a miracle of modern science, but that's neither here nor there. Um. Even if you look look at the Dan Hooker fight and you look at the Shane Burgos fight, in the Hooker fight, obviously Barbosa just put Hooker to the sword, but he was getting quite tired, and that wasn't the damage he was taking necessarily. That was his own muscle that he naturally carries. Look at the Burgos fight. He looked fresh. He looked like he was able to keep on the gas pedal. So this move to 145 really could let us see the best version of Edson Barbosa that we've all been waiting to see for so long.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think this is the best version of Edson Barbosa we've seen in a very long time. Uh, I think he looked phenomenal, and it's so glad I'm so glad to see it. It's been a while. I'd say probably since that Dan Hooker fight is, is when Edson Barbosa has looked 100% ready to go, um, is this fight right here. So I'm absolutely happy to see that. Um, fast-forwarding in the card a little bit, uh, Chukagin got a, got a win, questionable win, but I get the points. It doesn't matter. Um and, and and so on to our co-main event, Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush, uh, Benil got a dominant decision win. Uh, sad to see Tony lose like that. But Hunter, what do you make of this co-main event?
2: Yeah, no, it, it is definitely very hard to see Tony lose. I mean, it, not, I like Benil Dariush enough where I won't be angry with any, any win he has, you know. Um, but to see Tony lose and to see him lose dominantly uh, wrestling again is just kind of it kind of it kind of ruins the fun of the Khabib versus Tony question because there's no question that Khabib would win at this point because the wrestling of Benil Dariush and the wrestling of uh, Charles Oliveira, they're, they're both very good wrestlers, but they're not they're not elite like Khabib was. So it kind of ruins the fantasy that we had, the dream matchup, what would happen, and it kind of almost puts a statement on Tony's uh, title picture um, um, hopes and dreams to get back up there and try to get another title picture because. Now he's three straight losses. Uh, two of them were pretty dominant. The Justin Gage fight was, you could say it was back and forth sometimes, um, but he's definitely gonna have to rise a lot higher to get that title shot again. A lot more wins. Um, luckily he has got the name behind him and the fans behind him. So um, maybe a few big wins could get him up there again, but um, he definitely needs to work on his wrestling. You know, it, its it's sad to see that he hasn't learned. He didn't learn from the Charles fight, if anything, or maybe just Benil's so good that he there's nothing he could have done. And Benil's I think it was first round when he had that knee lock, and he Benil said that he popped his knee, oh, man. and then that that might have um that that might have uh, hindered Tony Ferguson in some way. We know Tony Ferguson is an absolute beast, and even that's that's two that's two fights in a row where Tony didn't tap through a, a submission that was just so so tight and so in place where. Most people, almost everyone would tap at that point, you know, but that just that that adds to the points for Tony right there. You know, he, he's, he's tough as he's tough. He's as tough as they come, he's probably one of the, the toughest UFC fighters I've ever seen. He's got a fantastic chin. He won't tap. He's, he's an amazing fighter, but Benil Dariush has seven fights in a row now. Um, he's got the second most second most, uh, or second highest, longest, um, winning streak in the UFC lightweight division right now, tied with Islam Makachev. Um, And he just keeps getting higher and higher. But so, how we? I I can't wait to see how he deals with these um these top five UFC lightweights because it is definitely a shark tank up there. And um, I hope Tony Ferguson comes back and he keeps his head high.
1: Yeah, um, it's tough to see. It really is. You know, we're all big Tony Ferguson fans. Uh, I have no issue admitting that whatsoever. And it is hard to see him lose in such a fashion. Firstly, though, I do want to congratulate Benil Dariush, because I feel like in the midst of all of the white noise, his efforts does get crowded out a little. So I do want to give the man his props. Fantastic performance. And quite frankly, any other human being would have tapped out to that horrible knee lock. But Tony Ferguson's not a human being, so you can't really hold that against him at all. So, massive respect to Benito Dariush. He's only going up in the rankings and he is on the periphery of the top five now, most likely. As for Tony Ferguson, this requires a much deeper analysis because I'm struggling to understand what's going on with him. You know, Every Tony Ferguson press conference, really, since the Gaethje fights, we've been hearing, you know, I'm the best version of myself. I I haven't even hit my prime yet. You know, I understand what Brock Lesnar meant when he said what he said on The Ultimate Fighter. And yet we're not seeing these improvements being implemented. And I'm starting to wonder whether Tony Ferguson's almost in the same situation as Conor McGregor is, in that he needs control relinquished of his camps I think Tony's almost too close to his own fight preparation and it's either his way or the highway. The problem with that is he can't see where he's going wrong. I think he needs to bring in a completely new outside team who are going to judge him objectively and tell him where he's going wrong and force the improvements on him because we keep hearing Tony Ferguson saying that he's making these improvements. His jiu-jitsu is as good as it's always been. His wrestling is. And the facts simply aren't assimilating with what he's saying. That's just a fact. You know, Benil Darius is a very good jiu-jitsu fighter and a very good wrestling fighter, but anybody would have had Ferguson pegged to certainly be a level or two above that. And yet he looked dominated on the ground again. I mean, Oliveira, you can forgive because Olivera is an unbelievably dangerous yeah. black belt, but Dariush, there's less of an excuse. That's not a knock and beneath Dariush. He's a world-class fighter. But given what we've seen from Tony Ferguson in the past against the likes of Kevin Lee, you would have ex- expected a far better performance on the ground. The fact that we aren't seeing this is concerning me quite a lot, I have to admit. So... Yeah, obviously I want to see Tony Ferguson come back and I want to see him in the title picture, but he has to start putting a rubber stamp on this because he's almost getting dragged into Tyron Woodley territory now where he's on a three-fight losing streak. Two of them were elite opponents, so you can forgive that. But if he if he loses his next fight, he's in serious trouble, guys. And I'm struggling to see what he's going to do to fix it, if I'm honest with you.
0: yeah. I'm on the same page. I actually was going to compare him to Tyron Woodley in, 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 the, in this situation. It's very, very, very similar. Obviously, Tony wasn't the champ but he was seen as the best lightweight in the world other than Habib and Habib retired. Um, well, I guess he wasn't retired whenever he fought Gaethje, but he was on the sideline when he fought Gaethje. Um, and I don't really want to compare anybody to, to Habib because he was not even like, he's just on another level than everybody. So other than Habib in that division, Tony was the guy uh, and he was the guy that everyone wanted to see against Habib. Um, but, but, you know, Gaethje, that, that loss was, was really sad to see Gaethje just, picked him apart honestly uh and, and then you come back and you're like okay that was just one loss he did the two weight cl- the two weight cuts and everything and then you fight Charles Oliveira and again that's another excuse because Charles Oliveira we just saw what he did we'll talk about in a second um he, he's insane um, but then he goes out there and fights Dariush and Dariush now just became an elite contender but he's not Charles Oliveira level he's not Justin Gaethje level um at least that's my opinion um and, and, and it's just to get dominated in that way is very very tough to see I don't think any other human being would not tap to that arm bar, arm bar or that leg lock that he was in, uh, in 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 those two fights. I think that's only Tony Ferguson would would keep fighting after that. Um, I just he's probably one of the toughest human beings alive on the planet. Uh, him and Shane Burgos are, are are taking home the trophy for toughest people on 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 this fight card. It's just so tough to see. Um, his next fight's a big one. I honestly, I don't know if it's the thing with the camp. I don't know what's going on. I think he's just getting older. He's 37. He's been fighting for a long time. When you lose at, after being on a 12-fight winning streak, being being undefeated for so many years uh, like that, that just takes a toll on you. And the age that you're at, too. Tony Tony is not a bad grappler. That is that is not what's going on, in my opinion. He Before in the Kevin Lee fight and so many other fights, He's been able to escape those situations with those weird rolls and everything and throwing up triangles, keeping his legs moving. He was fighting, and in, in, for the most of the time, a closed guard in that fight against Dariush. And same thing with Oliveira. I think he's just getting too old to pull off all the crazy moves that he wants to do. To, to He's thinking faster than he can act right now is what I'm thinking. And I was feeling about that. Um, obviously, to, uh, he's not being hesitant, in my opinion, like like Tyron Woodley was, but he's just not fully confident, in my opinion. I just, I just don't think he's he's able to do everything that he wants to do and was able to do, especially earlier in his career. Um, and, and I love Tony. I, we all love Tony Ferguson. Uh, I He needs to get one more fight. Um, if he loses that fight, unfortunately, I think that'll probably be it. Uh, but if, if he wins, I honestly, I would consider retiring if I was him. This next fight, I honestly think, would be a great send-off fight, especially if it's against a guy like Paul Felder or something. I've, I've seen that floating around. I think that would be a great fight. They would put on a great show. Um, and win or lose, I, if, especially if he wins, I think he should definitely consider it. I know Tony Ferguson is not the guy to, uh, to, to definitely consider that because he always wants to keep fighting. He's always talking about it. Um, but just I, I honestly think he should weigh his options at this point in his career because I do not want to see what happens to, honestly, Cowboy at the moment. Um, or, or, or these legends that, that just fight too, that, that one fight too long and then they just can't stop fighting. Uh, I really don't want to see that happen to Tony Ferguson um, and and just damage his legacy that much because he is one of the guys that we all know and, and all of the hardcore fans of MMA know is a legend, uh, and, and I want to make sure it stays that way. So it's unfortunate to see Tony lose. Obviously, I'm so happy for Benil Dariush, though. I was wrong. I didn't think he was going to win. I... I, I I, I know, Hunter, you, you guys had them way higher on your rankings than I did. Uh, I'm a believer now. I'm excited to see what's going on. Um, but, yeah. And that leads us into our main event in one of the craziest fights, title fights, that we've seen in a long time. Congrats, Keelan. All right, whatever. Uh, but Charles <laughs> Oliveira gets the win over Michael Chandler and one of the craziest turn of events in, in, in history. Uh, Hunter, what do you make of this main event? When you talk about back-and-forth fights, this is the fight that should be highlighted
2: in your mind yeah. right here. That first round, we we saw so many different things like that came true to a lot of people's minds. You know, Charles Oliveira was good on the ground, but Michael Chandler was fantastic in the scramble and even preferred to be on the ground with Charles Oliveira in some moments. You know, we saw him going back whenever Charles Oliveira was on his back. Not, nobody does that to Charles Oliveira. Nobody just goes, I'm going to go wrestle on the ground with Charles Oliveira and try to get a few shots off because they're always scared of the submission attempts. But we saw with Michael Chandler, you know, he was able to get past those submission attempts and keep fighting, and then he rocked uh, Charles Oliveira in that first round. And I don't know how Charles Oliveira even survived that one. Yeah. I thought the ref was gonna stop it. He had him on the ground. Charles Oliveira was on his knees. He was getting he was getting hit in the side of his head. He was getting busted up, and then uh, Charles Oliver smartly moved to his back where he could do more Brazilian jiu-jitsu there and was able to kind of hold Chandler for the little bit of the rest of the rest of the round and. Come the second round, everyone's like, "Oh man, I guess the new the new champion's going to be in the was going to be a Belter champion." That's crazy. No, Charles Oliver, <laughs> very early on delivers a freaking shot from nowhere and and, and wobbles uh, Chandler and then drops him and absolutely just went on to just just pick apart Chandler and eventually get the finish. And it was just so it was just so good to see. Charles Oliveira win you know I I may have predicted Mike Chandler but I was still so happy to see Charles Oliveira win because he's been in the UFC forever you know so many different fights he's fought so many he I think this is the longest road to a title that anyone's ever had Mm -hmm. and that just means that just makes the victory that that more sweeter you know um I wasn't exactly sure if Charles Oliveira was going to be a fantastic champion or not or if he's going to be but right now right there I just saw something very important I saw resilience you know I saw he can be put down, but he will not be finished. You know, he can, he can come back. And that's what a lot of people thought in the beginning. What's where's Charles Oliveira's heart at? Because we've seen his heart kind of give out. in sometimes, you know, Uh, we've seen um, him uh, almost not go the full distance. We kind of seen him uh, back earlier, earlier, earlier in his career, you know, he was a, he wasn't the fighter he is today, but now it's great to see that he's evolving into a a striker. He's getting fantastic knockout power. You cannot diminish the knockout power of a, Charles Oliveira anymore. So with the lethal uh, submission arsenal and a fantastic right hand and left hand, there's no stopping Charles Oliveira right now. I am on the train. If I wasn't before, I am now.
1: This is, and I'm not saying this from a biased perspective, because I did call the Bronx would win this. I'm I'm saying this truthfully. This is one of the greatest, craziest two-round title fights I've ever oh, seen yeah. in my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was fun. Fantastic from beginning to end you know we knew this was going to be an unbelievable fight and it went above and beyond you know Michael Chandler came out in that first round he looked so fresh so clean so precise floors Charles Oliveira against the cage and I'm thinking that's it it's it's done it's over here and yet it isn't Charles Oliveira uses that incredible wiliness to survive he's, mo- he's using head movement on the ground when have we ever seen this? He, he is not a meme. He is his own meme. Um, You know, did an incredible job surviving. As Hunter excellently pointed out, he then transitions to his back to use his jiu-jitsu to defend against an incredibly aggressive Michael Chandler, which we knew he would be. One thing I pointed out in our last episode that I think came to fruition very well for Oliveira in this fight was his long legs in relation to his jiu-jitsu And what I mean by that is if you go back and watch the first round, Chandler manages to get past Oliveira's guard and he's starting to land those elbows and those shots. But when Oliveira composes himself, he uses those really long legs to stab back at Chandler in order to protect himself from the overhand coming down onto the ground or Chandler trying to pass the guard. So that allowed him to burn down the clock, get some of his own offense off. He even tried to get a triangle cinched in. And that's just how bloody good Charles Oliveira's BJJ is. He can throw any movement from anywhere. And then, you know, as Hunter said, that was the first round and we thought this is it. Former Bellator champion's going to be the new champion. And no, it was not <sighs> Charles Oliveira. I don't know what his corner said to him, but whatever they said, it worked. And, there's actually a little bit of a plug i'd like to give really briefly to explain olivera's knockout because it was fantastic the genius mind of boxing, Teddy Atlas, broke this down perfectly. If you look at the knockout, Chandler throws an overhand right, but then he he postures back and leaves his chin open. Oliveira then throws the fantastic southpaw hook, and that's, the timing and the power, that's just got Chandler banged to rights. He doesn't see it coming. He's, he's forced back against the cage. And from there, it's a matter of time. You know, the hunter very, very quickly became the hunted. And that's massive credit to Charles Oliveira. Another left hand puts him on the ground, and that's all she wrote. I think this was just, I think this was truly the coming of age of Charles Oliveira. As Hunter said there, and he is absolutely right, this is the longest pathway to a title fight of any fighter ever. And to do it on his first try, where the occasion very well could have gotten to him, I think it's all the more impressive. And the fact that he came back against such resilience from Chandler only speaks to his incredible character. And at the moment, I would argue Oliveira is one of the most well-rounded fighters at 155 as well. And that is going to be such a problem for all the fighters around him, because no one is going to hit the deck with Oliveira, because he will top you out from anywhere And the one weakness people thought he had, which was his boxing and his kickboxing, it's becoming much less of a weakness now. So that sort of portal of opportunity is rapidly drying up now. Charles Oliveira, massive, massive respect. And I'm so excited to see if it's the Poirier fight next. I think that's going to be a fight of the year right there, too.
0: Wow. Just wow. The lightweight division somehow keeps delivering. I don't know how it keeps getting better. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, It's just incredible. So stacked and Charles Oliveira. Oh, my God. I I could not believe it. It was unbelievable. I mean, uh, Michael Chandler went out there and I knew so from the get go. I knew it was going to be a good fight. I didn't think it was going to be an incredible fight. Uh, But from the very start, uh, Oliveira is out there and drops Michael Chandler with the light kick. Uh, and, and then it's like, oh, OK. And Chandler is out there. He seems so amped up to me. He seems so ready to go. He's out there just swinging. and He's missing, but he was swinging. He was looking to knock out Charles Oliveira from the very start. Um, and Oliveira was just chopping away. And he was doing a really good job at keeping distance. And then he got caught one time. And this was before he even got dropped, but he got rocked. Uh, and, and then obviously that's when Chandler got the, the guillotine in, and that looked very tight. Now I didn't think he was going to tap out Olivera because there's no way that early when they're that, that dry and that fresh and everything, even after he'd been rocked, there's no way he's tapping them. So I thought it was smart that he let it go, but I was like, it was tight. That was in there. Uh, and, and Michael Chandler has, I mean, look at the guy's arms. He's he has a squeeze. Um, so he went in there and I was shocked. And then, then, it, but once he like it, once he let it go, I'm like, Oh man, Charles Oliveira is on top. It, it could be over right here. Um, where I thought it was over before, now it's over now because Charles Oliveira on top with time. Michael Chandler, the only way he can stand up up is turn his back. You gave your back, full guard, body body triangle to Charles Oliveira. Two minutes left in the round. It's over. Somehow he grabs onto the wrist, turns around, and and just starts beating him up and drops him and everything. And it's just that, to me at that point, that's why I picked Michael Chandler going into this fight. Those scrambles right there. I didn't think that if it hit the ground, I I didn't think you'd be in that position to begin with. I thought he would not even shoot a takedown or, or anything like that, which I it was a mistake, in my opinion, to pull guard for that guillotine. But still, um, a, the scrambles, though, that scramble right there, I was like, if he could survive that from Charles Oliveira, he has a great chance at winning this. And then he dropped Oliveira, and right there, and I was like, just like Keelan, just like Hunter, I was like, oh, man, Michael Chandler out of nowhere from Bellator coming in and, and becoming UFC champ. Um, I don't know how Oliveira recovered I seriously don't, he was getting absolutely mauled. And then you go in in between corner and I'm looking at him and and, and he's like looking around and stuff. And I'm like, this guy is, is rocked right now. There's no way he's ready to go. He goes out there and and, and just like the beginning of the first round, he's super calm. Chandler rushes in, he catches him with that left hook. And it wasn't like it was a powerful left hook. It was just on the button precise. And it drops Michael Chandler. And one of the things about Michael Chandler is he's a phenomenal fighter. One of the most, most well-rounded, I think, he also proved that in this fight as well. He's one of the most well-rounded and powerful guys in the division, but he does not recover well from being dropped. And he got dropped bad, out of nowhere, caught him clean. And then against the cage, Oliveira landed those two. And then one of the most perfect head-snapping moments you will see: Chandler's trying to to get it, circle out of the way. He catches him with another hook, drops him, and the celebration. Oh my gosh! Everything it means. To, to Oliveira, just running out of the cage, high-fiving Joe Rogan, going out there, uh, bleeding on Dana White, and then doing the stuff, going into the crowd, and just like Jose Aldo flashbacks. It's just amazing to see that passion. And obviously, he went on his little, he went on the parade back in Brazil today and everything. It's just so great to see how much it means to a guy after the longest road in UFC history. That's shocking to me that he's been fighting that long. Obviously, I knew it, but it doesn't seem like that because he hasn't been an elite contender for until recently really um he's been he's always been good but not elite and now he is elite he is champion of the world i michael bisping was 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 so good for so long and and and, but he was never really at that elite level until later in his career when he did it um to see charles Oliveira do it even longer than it took michael bisping to do it fights wise is shocking and it's amazing to see and i'm so happy for him i i I I just I couldn't be happier for a guy to to win it. That's just kind of like how I felt when Dustin Poirier beat Conor the second time. It's just kind I I can't be happier for a guy that's taken that long and been a part of the UFC, a pioneer in the UFC for so long to to get that one is amazing and just to see the passion it felt for him it was amazing. Chandler will be back. He proved that he was even a better fighter than I thought he was going into it, Um, and, and 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 in that fight and Oliveira just proved that he is he's the champ. Uh, And and he's he's on top right now. And it was amazing to see um, just a great main event overall. One of the best two rounds you will see. uh, Just incredible.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. There's not much else to say on top of that. You know, Charles Oliveira went out there, proved to everyone that he was going to win. And the funny part is, he kept saying that he was going to win by knockout. And I think everyone was kind of just laughed it off. Like, oh yeah, sure you are. (laughs) The Mr. Submission, you know, most submissions of all UFC is going to win by knockout. Sure he is. Goes out and wins by knockout. That just puts a stamp on the whole division. But could you imagine if Michael Chandler submitted... Uh, Charles oh Oliver gosh. in that first round. No way. That's what I, I had that running through my mind. I'm like, no way he submits the guy with the most submissions in all of UFC. And it was tight. Let's, I mean, let's be real here. I don't know how he got out of that. I'm like, there's no way he's going to get yeah. out. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> BJJ was,
1: trickery. Yeah, BJJ man.
2: trickery indeed, dude. That, this Elite. fight was amazing for so many different reasons. And I'm just so happy I was able to watch it and, watch it live, you know, because I feel like yes. I just watched history. You know, it, it's there's not many moments – where you just sit there and you're like, I just watched history. I just watched this unfold. This is going to be such a huge uh, impact on the UFC, and it, it really is. So I'm just so happy um, Charles Oliveira got the win. I think Michael Chandler is going to stay composed. He's, I think he's oh, yeah. a fantastic fighter, and there's no way he leaves the top five in these these coming years. I think that's how good he is. You know, I, I even though he lost once again, we talked about stocks stocks rising. This is definitely a time where his stock's going to rise. I mean, not a lot of people knew about him because not a lot of people know about dan hooker so to go out there and fight for the vacant uh ufc lightweight title and nearly win that's gonna definitely make a stock rise i wouldn't i wouldn't hate to see a justin gaethje michael chandler fight i think that'd be fantastic i think michael chandler honestly i'm following michael chandler anywhere because i I, we saw his ground game i think his ground game is fantastic we saw his stand-up you know i he got knocked out sure but i think his not i think his his stand-up's still very very good oh yeah so Anywhere we see Michael Chandler, I'll be happy. Anywhere we see Charles dubronx Oliveira, I will definitely be watching.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was the believer in Oliveira coming into this fight. I had him by a fourth round submission. I didn't think he was going to go and knock out Michael Chandler. That's the beautiful thing about mixed martial arts, ladies and gentlemen. Even when things make sense, they don't make sense. Um. Yeah, I. I mean incredible congratulations to charles olivera i think we've covered that pretty extensively i actually think michael chandler might start running into some trouble now and this is what i mean this was his one chance to make a smash and grab at the lightweight title he came in made a massive statement and then immediately got a title fight for which he was largely the favorite against charles olivera Now he's being put to the back of the queue and he's going to have to go through the top five the way everybody else would have normally. And this means he's going to have some really, really tough tests, namely the bulletproof Justin Gaethje. And this is going to be a real test of Michael Chandler's championship caliber because he's going to have to wade through some killers at 155 if he has intentions of getting the strap again, which of course he does. So I agree with Hunter. I think a Justin Gaethje-Michael Chandler matchup would be incredible. And that's the fight that I want to see for him. But I don't think it's going to be as easy for Chandler as he thinks. Because as I think it was you, Jack, that said, and you're absolutely correct. Chandler's an amazing fighter, but he does not recover well. Once you've got him stung, you've got him stung. We saw that with the Benson Henderson fight in Bellator as well. Quite a few occasions Benson should have finished the fight, arguably. But when you fight someone like Justin Gaethje, he is going to hit you with sledgehammers, and you're going to have to recover and recover quick, or you're finished. And Gate, you know, we all know how much damage Justin Gaethje can take, <laughs> and this is going to be a fight that actually drags the wrestling out of Gaethje as well, because you know Chandler does want this one to hit the ground. So I actually, I actually love what Hunter just said, and I agree with that. I'm so happy I was able to watch this fight live because it feels like I witnessed history. I, I get the same feeling from this fight when I watched McGregor Alvarez at 205. Yeah. When I saw Aldo at 194, it's that kind of feeling. Or Diaz at UFC 202, so many fights that we've seen. It feels like this is the next big timestamp in the history of the UFC, and we were all witness to something very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I love the Justin Gaethje thing. I'll talk about that real quick too. Another big thing about that fight is Justin Gaethje's leg kicks because we just saw how Michael Chandler handled leg kicks from Charles Oliveira and he took him out with those. Not only would those catch uh, Michael Chandler off balance, those sting. Like the only person that could kick that hard and fast is Edson Barbosa on the other side. Um, So, so those leg kicks are going to be a huge factor. And Really, I think they're similar. I think they could be matched up very well. Justin Gaethje has an elite wrestling background. Obviously, we haven't got to see barely any of it in the UFC, Um, and he got taken down against a B, but I don't even count that because like, everyone Chandler would get dominated on the ground against a B. So uh, I I think they could really be somewhat evenly matched up in the grappling department. And then the question is, they both deliver bombs. uh, Maybe give the power slightly to Chandler, but the thing is, Gaethje – unlike Chandler recovers from everything. Gaethje, you, you have to put him out, but like by the ref stepping in and him being wobbling everywhere and he'll still protest the finish. Mm -hmm. He's never been knocked out cold before. Not, not even close. So uh, Chandler, on the other hand, I guess he's never been knocked out cold either. But what I mean is he, he won't recover from stuff like Justin Gaethje. will. Justin Gaethje will nonstop, even if he's rocked, keep coming forward because that's just the way he's built. Chandler, in my opinion, is not built that way, which is going to be an interesting factor in that fight uh and that's why i want to see it. it's gonna be so good there's so many things that go into it and i think that just like you guys i think that's a fight to make next couple points also from hunter you you had a great um breakdown of it of the the second time through as well just the love of the sport is what i was feeling after this fight just like uh just the wildness of it i felt the same thing at the the end of uh shane burgos versus edson barbosa but and more so for this fight because it was a title fight i'm just watching it and once it's over i'm on my feet and i'm just like I, I can't even believe what I just saw. I'm just like, I love MMA. I love the UFC. I love that I get to see this live and everything. It's just like no other sport gets you the feeling that, that you have there. Ne- neither Charles Oliveira or Michael Chandler. I don't have anything against them. I wasn't necessarily rooting for one person. I wasn't rooting against one person. I was just hoping for a good fight. And never before have I felt that just whirlwind of emotion just so quickly and everything. And I, I don't feel that for any other sport. It's just I'm sitting there. I'm just like, wow. That's just that's MMA for you. That's the UFC for you. I love it, um, and and feeling like history. We've been really blessed recently. I, I felt this is a moment. I, I absolutely agree with you guys. History is being made. New era. Uh, it's just amazing. The celebration, everything. You know, this is going down. But I, I just felt about that with the Rose Namajunas win too over uh, a. a Zhang Wei Li recently too I, I, I felt about that for that win too so that's two historic moments recently in pay-per-views where I've just been able to sit back and be like wow it's amazing love our sport amazing main event um and let's roll into it we already talked about one of the matchups Gaethje versus Chandler what are some other matchups you're looking for um in 155
2: in, in are we talking about 155
0: for Charles Oliveira or just 155 in general I mean Charles Oliveira uh um, we already we kind of mentioned Chandler Dariush also was on the okay. card, so. Yeah, 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 I get you. So uh,
2: I would love to see a, a Tony Ferguson, maybe Paul Felder, or I would even like to see a Tony Ferguson, Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, we, we yeah. have trouble placing where RDA should be going in this division. I think RDA is very well-rounded uh, fighter. I think he's a great he – he, he's got good ground game. So if we want to see Tony Ferguson uh, try to improve his ground game, this is the person to do it against, Rafael Dos But Rafael Dos can also stand up very well, too. I think that fight would be crazy back and forth. Um, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. I think that's where I would submit Justin Gaethje in this division right now. Um, I think the winner of Dustin Poirier, McGregor, will probably get the title shot next. So um, I would more so like to see Dustin fight uh, Oliveira, I think. Uh, I think McGregor had a fantastic era in the UFC. um, But right now, I think he's got a wall in front of him, which he will not be able to climb. Or even knock down at this point. I think Dustin Poirier has really grown into this division, and he's really grown into his fighting style. Where it's, it's kind of hard to find any holes in his game. You know, it's he's got fantastic leg kicks. He's got good ground game. He's got not. He doesn't just have good great, good ground game. He's got fantastic ground game. He almost submitted Khabib. Everyone um, everyone forgets about that because yeah. He he did get submitted himself, I could be, but he nearly guillotined him, and it was so close. And and Khabib even said that was the closest I've ever been to being finished. Like, it's it's he's in a fantastic fighter, um, and I can't wait to see Dustin Poirier back in the octagon. Come I think July, I believe July twelfth yeah. or fifteenth, something like that. But um, I think the next fight to make for Charles Oliveira is Dustin Poirier. Charles Oliveira. Um, I think Charles Oliveira is fantastic, but. I am really on the Dustin Poirier train right now. I think Dustin Poirier can come out with a W and become the UFC lightweight champion.
1: Yeah. Um, I just want to double back to what we said briefly before I talk about the fights that I would make. You know, again, you, I'm speaking as a fan, not as a co host or as a journalist. As a fan, this is why we love our sport. Yeah. Because you can never see what's coming. And when you see the joy and passion of fighters winning and the class and losing, that's why we look up to the people that we do, because they set the example and they show what's achievable. That's why I love the story of someone like Charles Oliveira. Secondly, as to the point that no sport brings what our sport does, I do agree. But, bro, try being a city supporter. I'm about 70. In oh, football support oh news. shut up,
0: man. Come on, on
1: man. I've. I've you you
0: guys you guys just won the league and had 15 people out out of your stadium last year when we won the league in complete covid lockdown liverpool had the entire city outside the stadium with flares and everything that's passion right there city has nobody i've had
1: var heart attacks i've had joy i've had everything being a city supporter so believe me i know what i'm talking about to catch an l in
0: the final of the champions league just get just just wait for that don't be putting
1: no juju on me now, Jack. I know it's that. coming. It's
0: coming.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, football banter aside, we'll do that another day. <laughs> um, as for my matchups that I would make in the division, I think RDA makes a lot of sense for Dariush. They're only one or two places apart. He wins that. He's firmly in the top five. As for Tony, I'll, well, for Tony, actually, if Connor loses to Dustin, I'd like to see cool. that fight. I think everyone uh, would. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Where are you at? McNuggets, you insert your words of choice there. Um, I'd quite like to see that. Or Paul Felder is another very good shout. When we get into the top five, his work, it's very, very interesting. Charles Oldey, now I'm saying this on the reasonable assumption, Poirier beats McGregor again, because I think he will. It's absolutely Oliveira next because it's the battle of two kings. It's the new king of 155 versus the officially uncrowned king of 155. And to me, that fight's almost like a super unification for 155. Who is the number one? Because as long as he doesn't fight Poirier, even though he will get the credit that he absolutely deserves, people will always talk about Oliveira and not fighting Poirier. So that fight needs to happen. And then as for sorting out what I would call the best of the rest, it's Gaethje and Chandler. I think that's just the perfect fight to make. And that's fallen down quite perfectly, I think. You know, at the moment, obviously the rankings have been updated. I'm looking at them now. But Gaethje's number two and Chandler's number four. Perfect numbers to put against each other, two and four. They're practically identical. Whoever wins that is firmly at the front of the queue for the next title shot. But those are the fights based on who fought this weekend that by far make sense. Olivera needs to defend his crown against Dustin. That will be a fight of the year. I have no doubt it will certainly be a contender. Gaethje and Chandler, I think, will just be an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. Both very similar styles of fighting, but Gaethje is the leg kicks. How will that affect the fight? And then for Tony, I would actually like to see the McGregor fight because I still think Tony can give Connor a hell of a lot of trouble on the ground. Now, of course, that depends on Poirier McGregor too and what happens there. But if it goes the way I think it goes, I'd like to see that. Or I will fully agree with Hunter on this. The uh, Paul Felder fight is another very good shot for Tony, but... As for Tony, as we said earlier, his future is dependent upon this next fight and what happens. So he will have to choose it very carefully. But that's how I would plan out the scope of the one fifty five pound division.
0: Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I'm I'm leaning towards. I'll start with Tony Ferguson. I'm leaning towards Paul Felder. Um, I I, I like the other shouts. I, I do like. Um, mcgregor ferguson that would be an entertaining fight for sure um if he loses i'm not too sure mcgregor will fight again though if he loses unless it's at 170 over uh, dustin so i and, and i don't know if dana white would match him up against tony ferguson either considering how tony ferguson is not as marketable as he used to be um following a couple of losses so um i like paul felder for for tony ferguson i think paul felder is 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 looking to get back into it. tony ferguson i think that would be a fantastic fight they would put on a great fight um Dariush, I like um, Makachev. Now, I know Makachev is booked right now, but to be honest, I, I, and no disrespect against his opponent, Islam Makachev seems to be on another level right now, um, and I think he needs to be fighting ranked opponents, so um, I think he does get past his next guy relatively easily, and I think Dariush will be a fantastic matchup. Dariush will be highly ranked. However, Makachev is seen as a guy, even though he's not up there in the rankings, we've been talking about some of these fighters before, that is valued just as high as some of the guys that are ranked that high. So Dariush, on the ground, it's a very tricky matchup for Makachev. He, he can't slouch down there. On the feet, it's It could be even, who knows? we all seen the power that Darius has. Um, And if Darius wins that, then he's talking one more fight and a title shot for me. Um, It's a big fight. I think they would match up very well uh, against each other. Um, Gaethje Chandler, we're all on the same page there, kind of talked about it. Um, I would not be terribly upset if Oliveira wanted to fight relatively soon. They put Gaethje against Oliveira. Um, yeah. In the meantime, and while you wait for Dustin versus Conor to pan out, but personally, just for the pure matchup of it and how great we've seen Michael Chandler be even in defeat, I want to see that Gaethje Chandler fight. Uh, and that's going to be amazing. I really want to see that. And then the, the most obvious, Oliveira versus Conor or Dustin, um, preferably Dustin, just because I want to see that matchup. Dustin looks so, so well-rounded and good. We've seen Oliveira, yes, he won by knockout, but he struggled whenever Michael Chandler was able to close the distance. And no disrespect to Michael Chandler, but Dustin Poirier has another style of stand-up compared to Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler blitzes and lands and hopes that he knocks the guy out. Dustin Poirier is methodical about it, and he will pick you apart and he has power behind it, uh, which is why it's interesting. And the question is, can Oliveira – get it to the ground, and if he does get it to the ground, can Dustin Poirier get back up? Because we know how great of takedown defense Dustin Poirier has, and he does have good jujitsu. but Oliveira is another animal. And I don't think – Michael Chandler is way more explosive on the ground and getting up than, than Dustin Poirier is. So can Poirier handle if Oliveira gets his back and stuff, and can he escape that? But can Oliveira hang with poirier on the feet that's the fight i want to see uh obviously i mean any connor fight if he does somehow beat dustin poirier the second time uh then then i guess olivera connor would be probably break another pay-per-view record because it'd be connor fighting for the title again it'd be entertaining but i mean if olivera gets to the ground connor is dead um so personally i want to see that just like you guys dustin versus olivera fight just the well-roundedness of dustin poirier Keelan, you said it perfectly. Uncrowned king versus crowned champion right now. Huge fight. Dustin Poirier. Everybody knows him right now. Especially everybody will know him again if he beats Connor the second time. Uh, it'll be amazing, and and just to see Oliver back in there, 155 is just so so good. I mean, it's just so it's too good. Uh, we're, we're we're too we're too uh, spoiled right now. It's it's amazing. I just hope nothing gets all screwed up. This, this happens sometimes. We we get so such good matchups, don't and then do this injuries not, will happen. No. <laughs> I know exactly. So um, great stuff. I, I love it. Um, And speaking of matchups, I came across this on Instagram the other day and I thought I'd throw it in here just because it's, it's a fascinating question. Um, obviously Max Holloway fought Charles Oliveira at 145 a while ago and Holloway won. Um, they're two completely different fighters now. Now if they were to match up today, who do you guys think would win?
2: I'm still here on the blessed express. Um, I think, uh, Max Holloway has one of the highest takedown defenses in all of UFC, if not featherweight in itself. And, um, we take a look at Charles Oliveira's style. You know, he's a fantastic Brazilian jiu jitsu and he has got really good stand up. And, and we see now that he has good knockout power. Who does that remind you in the featherweight division? When it comes to mind for me, I think of um Brian Ortega. You know, Brian Ortega yeah. had fantastic Brazilian jiu jitsu. He had fantastic wrestling. And unlike Charles Oliveira, he didn't have a whole lot of losses on his record when he fought him. Uh, I, I think it was zero. I think it was undefeated, if I remember right. Um, but Brian Ortega, he had the knockout power. Uh, we saw him knock out Frankie Edgar or at least TKO him. Um, and then they fought and it was a fantastic fight, but the blessed express still came out on top. And I think that's what would happen again. I think um, Max Holloway is still a young fighter. You know, he's, he's still in his prime. I think he's like around 31, 32 years old. And um, we just saw his last fight, probably the best performance of oh, his career man. in my opinion. Oh, that was incredible. Um breaking records left and right significant strikes i think charles oliveira it would be very very smart of him to try to get into the ground but if he could i don't think he can hold him there i think uh we talk about the long leg legs of charles oliveira matt's has always got some long legs himself i think he um he uses that very well to his takedown defense um i think he's been in this event this uh in the ufc for a long time uh almost as long as charles oliveira and um yeah i think i think uh Max Holloway would come out on top if they were to rematch, especially at Featherweight. If it was at lightweight, I still think Holloway would come out on top.
1: Yeah. Um, Hunter, and your last point, you've actually alluded to what my first point is. There's two questions that have to be answered before we can answer this properly. The first is does it happen at 145 or 155? Yep. And does the fight hit the deck or does it stay in the feet? Now, if it stays if the fight's at 145, I favor Holloway massively because I think Oliveira will struggle big with the weight cut too. You know, obviously, whenever he was at 145, the weight cut was murdering him. So he's very fresh and his body's attuned to 155. So even before he gets to the fight, he's struggling. If it's at 155, it's a much more interesting issue because we've seen Holloway at 155, and he was still unbelievably impressive against arguably the joint best 155 on the planet and Dustin Poirier. Um, So that adds a lot of interesting dynamics to the fight. You know, Holloway's got elite takedown defense and very good wrestling, but, you know, Charles Oliveira is a human anaconda and you do not go willingly to the ground with him because he will tap you out from anywhere. We saw that against, well, should have seen that against Ferguson and we saw his ground transitions against a world-class wrestler like Michael Chandler. So even if you have great groundwork, Oliveira will create the angle to finish you as I think the most interesting dynamic is whether it stays in the feet. And I think both fighters wouldn't be mad at it staying on the feet. Obviously, Holloway really would want it to. I think Max Holloway is the best boxer in the UFC. I know we said that against Calvin Cater, <laughs> but I, I do agree with it. It's very hard to argue. I'd probably put Poirier as a close second in terms of pure boxing skill. But for me, Holloway's number one. But Oliveira's grind, or his stand-up games come on leaps and bounds in his last few fights. His defense is much, much tighter. And he he has power in his hands when he lands, and he does land. The problem for Oliveira is that Holloway is the best sniper fighter in the UFC right now with his boxing. All he takes, all he needs is half an inch of an opening and bang, he's got you. He may not throw with as much power as Oliveira, but he throws with accuracy. And when he nails you on the sweet spot, down you fall. So if if Holloway and Oliveira fight again, my money at the moment would be in Holloway. But I certainly don't think Oliveira would be out of the running either, especially if he continues to improve at the rate we've seen him. It would almost be dead even money if it were a betting situation, but it's a fantastic question. No question about that at all. And a fight I'd love to see, but my edge would be towards Max Holloway.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you guys said that. I didn't think we would be on the same page with this one, to be honest. Um, At 145, it's definitely Holloway. So I'm thinking more 155. Um, yeah. And and I don't think Holloway really matches up well with a lot of 155ers. And, and, and that question, who's the best boxer in the UFC – I would rank Max Holloway number one if he hadn't lost to Poirier two times. Um, yeah. The fact that in the second Poirier fight, I do think Poirier kind of outboxed him a little bit, and that was a, bit, a bigger thing. And Holloway's made for 145. I don't think he, I don't think he would match well against Michael Chandler. I don't think he would match well against Justin Gaethje. I just think those guys are so big. Um, but I do think he matches well against Charles Oliveira and the Styles. I, I really do. Um, he doesn't do extremely especially 155. I was thinking one, one of the things points after this Olivera went and this question is like Olivera might have too much power for him. And then I, then I realized Max Holloway has never been dropped in his UFC career. How insane is that? He's never been dropped before. And the amount of strikes he's thrown, he takes a lot, never been dropped before. It's unbelievable. He fought Poirier that fight. They were swinging. How was no one dropped in that fight? That's unbelievable. One of the best chins, one of the most underrated chins in the UFC. So I don't think Charles Olivera could drop him. Um, And and then that's volume versus power and Max Holloway. That's what his entire career has been based off of just the pure violence and, 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 and unbelievable pressure he puts on guys. He landed almost 800 strikes. 800 strikes against Calvin Cater. How is that even humanly possible? You can't even I'm getting out headache video. just thinking about it. Like how, how can you, you can't even do that on the video game setting, Setting all the settings, like 100% to the other guy and zero to the other guy. You can't land 800 strikes. It's literally impossible. How does some, how does a human being do that? unbelievable um and a lot of this is based off that last performance max holloway keeps getting better he's not even the champ he's, he's still getting better um and, and that's what we've seen out of charles Oliveira too if it hits the deck it's a very interesting question however holloway has such great uh, ground game and and, and 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 just scrambles that i don't think it would i it would be very difficult for it to hit the deck and if it did I think it would happen later in the fight where they're more sweaty and and Holloway would be able to escape easier. Um, and I just think that the pure volume that he puts on Oliver will be very tough for Olivera to handle. Um, and I, I just I'm not exactly sure. So one, 145 definitely Holloway um, just because of the weight cut. Oliver didn't come really good until he moved up to 155, and that's because of just the, the tremendous cut it takes for him to get down there. 155, honestly, I could see it going either way, um, but I'm leaning towards Holloway just like you guys. The pure volume that he has um and, and the, the intelligence that he has in the octagon and everything adding up there and the takedown defense i think he would be able to do maybe out scramble him if it did go to the ground i think it would happen later in the fight so it'd be sweaty and and and, and submission would not likely happen um so yeah i'm leaning towards holloway but again a fantastic question and really i mean the only way we would know the answer to that question is if they fought it just seems, it's so it's so close. I think that would be just like Elin said, or, or or Hunter, both of you. It would be even odds, in my opinion. It should be it should be a coin flip um, if they were to fight. Because uh, honestly, who knows? So, um, but a great question. I'd love to see it down the road. Oliver has a lot of guys waiting for him at one hundred and fifty-five. So we probably won't see it for a long time if it ever happens again. Um, but great question.
2: Yeah, no, it's a fantastic question and. Uh... One thing we should also keep in mind here too is uh, the gas tank. You know, we, everyone, yes. everyone always says uh, yes. Carlos Oliveira's gas tank. You know, we don't know if it's fantastic uh, still because he's been submitting a lot of people and finishing people, but it's going to be hard to finish or submit Max Holloway, I feel like. So I feel like this fight will definitely drag out to the later rounds. And that's where Max Holloway really starts to do good. You know, he, he, he throws more output in the later rounds than he does in the beginning rounds, which is just unbelievable to think about from a boxing or – UFC perspective. So, um, I think even if it goes to the later rounds, I think Max always going to win. But if it if it just stays in rounds one and two, I have this for Charles Dubronx. I mean, yeah. he's got a yeah. fantastic submission game. Um, we don't see Max Holloway knocking people out very often anymore. Um, he has the volume of strikes, and he landed almost 800 strikes against Calvin cater but still mm-hmm. did not put him out. And that's got to tell you something too. I think Calvin Cater is a fantastic fighter. I think he's got a, a granite chin. Um, I think. It's, it's nearly impossible to finish him since since that, seeing that Holloway fight but still if you land 800 strikes at one point you've got to be thinking to yourself why isn't this guy dropping and uh I think the move up to 155 will definitely help him in that case I think he'll have more power to transfer over I think he can build more muscle mass and um this fight is just such a fantastic fight to see you know I, I would love the more we talk about it, the more I want to see it like I, right. I, I, I'm like I'm thinking to myself in the back of my mind, the reason why we're talking about this on the podcast is because it's gonna happen. You know, no, it's not gonna happen yet. I really want it to happen, but I don't know if it will. So um I think uh either way you put it, 145, 155, I have to say Max Holloway, but that's no discredit to um Charles Oliveira in this case. I just think Max Holloway is on an absolutely different level. And I think uh, many people see him as the champion right now in Featherway, and they those people would be it wouldn't be wrong in saying that. I think uh Featherweight's one of those divisions where you see kind of like two elite strikers, kind of like middleweight right now. And uh I think heavyweight's a good way to put it too. But um there's not many divisions where you see two champions, but featherweight is one of them.
1: Yeah. Um my sort of concluding sentiment is this, as well as everything that we've already said. There's one factor that helps Oliveira and there's one factor that helps Holloway on a technical level. The factor that helps Holloway is obviously on the feet. If we look at the knockout Oliveira just scored over Chandler, Holloway would be gone and back oh, by yeah. the time that shot's yeah, oh, ever yeah. thrown. Obviously Chandler's a wrestler. So his boxing is never going to be as good as someone like Holloway. But if you look at him posturing back, you know, Holloway's got his head under and he's on the other side of the cage by the time that shot's thrown. So Oliver's up and his boxing would have to improve drastically to have a better chance in the fight against Max Holloway, because it's not about power with Holloway. It's about actually connecting. It's like, it's like shadow boxing it's very, very rare you get to land clean on Max Holloway because his head movement is so good. But there is hope for Oliveira, of course, because he's that good. But his hope comes again on the ground. On the occasions we've seen Max Holloway on the ground, and it's something I was thinking about just as Hunter was talking there, Anytime we've seen Max Holloway in the ground, we've seen him throw these very wild looping overhands onto his opponent. And whenever we see him grappling with his opponent's hands, his, his arms are out very long and high. You cannot do that against Charles Oliveira because he will have you in a triangle like that, or he will have you in a reverse arm bar like that, or he will be able to flip you over and have a rear body triangle into a rear naked choke. So as much as Oliveira's boxing has to go up levels, Max's ground game has would have to go up in levels also because people underestimate how good Charles Oliveira's jiu-jitsu is because jiu-jitsu is a very complicated martial art. But if you look at what he did to Chandler and how he used it to survive and you look at his other fights, you know, he can pull anything out of anywhere at any time. And guys, not that Holloway would ever be arrogant because he's one of the last people who ever would be, but you've got to be so aware of the threat that Olivera presents because he, like I just said, he will pull out a knee bar. He'll pull out a triangle. He'll pull out anything. And especially with those looping hands, you can't afford to do that. So it's a dream fight as far as i'm concerned for 155 because this is where it would most likely happen and i agree with hunter fully mate. you know it, it keeps going on in my head because i yeah. think it's going to happen and then i have to correct my brain saying it's not happening but i want it to happen dana make it happen we want to see this fight once 155 is cleared up and whether it's Oliveira or it's poirier please give us a fight sometime because i really want to see it
0: Oh, it would be such a good matchup. The, the last thing I kind of wanted to say, too, goes back to uh, uh, something Hunter said, and you guys both made some great points. I was just thinking the pace of the fight is, is a very interesting thing. And it's not that Olivera has bad cardio or will have bad cardio. Every fighter Max Holloway faces has good cardio, at least decent cardio. The problem is the pace that Max Holloway sets. Very few can keep that pace and keep up that cardio. That's why Volkanovski, even though I don't agree that he won the second time, was at least able to keep it competitive in the last rounds because his cardio was able to match him. That's very few people can do that with Max Holloway and the pace that he brings and the amount of pressure and shots that he's landing. And I don't know if Oliveira will be able to keep that pace with him because you're not going to be able to set the pace against Max Holloway. No one's been able to do that. Um, to Max Holloway like I literally can't think of a single person who's been able to do that in the recent Max Holloway run so you're gonna have to keep up with that pace um, and I'm not I'm not sure you could do that that's that's just another factor in there and then if it hits the ground who knows but that that's just another thing little little thing going through my head another crazy interesting thing about that fight you we, we have to see it down the road it has to happen at this point we said it the MMA Island podcast declaring that fight has to happen pretty soon so Daniel, you heard it here that.
1: first everyone
0: exactly exactly <laughs> All right, guys. (laughs) Fantastic podcast, everybody. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Listen to us everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to go ahead and follow us on Instagram at MMA.island and check out all of our work on our website, MMAisland.net. Again, fantastic podcast, guys. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks, everyone. See you on the next one.
2: (laughs) I think it's